So, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the retreat. Great to see you all here. Glad you arrived safely. Uh, We've just flown in from California, where it's a little bit warmer than here. (laughs) Always nice to be back at IMS. Uh, I've been teaching here for many years, and Spring and I taught this course last year. So this is Spring Washam, and I'm Mark Coleman. We both teach out at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. Spring is the founder of the East Bay Meditation Center. Um, We've been trained by Jack Cornfield and teach in various places around the country. And just very happy to be here. How many people, just out of curiosity, have been to Insight Meditation Society before? How many of you are familiar with? Quite a lot of you, okay. And for how many of you, um, is this your first silent meditation retreat? Okay, so about half of you, great. So um, one of the things I'd like to do before we launch into saying more about the retreat and what we're doing here and why we're here, because some of you might be wondering what the hell you're doing here <laughs> or what the hell's about to happen, um, so um, is to take a moment to reflect on, on your intention. Like, What brought you here? What motivated you? Was it a friend? Was it you heard about it through, through, you know, online? Did you have nothing to do this weekend? And you thought, oh, I may as well go do something. Did you, uh, was it the meditation that was a draw, or Buddhist teachings, or the integration of love and awareness, or the teachings of Dr. King, or um, just, because uh, it's important as we go through the ups and downs of the retreat to remember w- what our intention was, because our intention as we move into anything will really inform how it unfolds. So what we'd like to do is ask you just to turn to the person sitting next to you or beside you and just take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself and say what brings you here. And I'll ring a bell for us to come back. So and if you're on your own, just turn, just join the pair.
that's probably long enough. So anybody like to say why they're here? Again, a word or two, three. Just shout out randomly. The food, <laughs> the bells, I don't know. Quiet. Quiet. Uh-huh. Avert nervous breakdown. Avoid nervous breakdown. OK, it's always a good plan. What else? Open up emotionally. Mm-hmm. To practice. To practice. Practice what? Meditation. Meditation. All right. Just checking. You know. <laughs> Pardon? To reconnect. To reconnect with yourself. Lovely. Yeah. To rest and uh, take a break from my iPhone. Take a break from your <laughs> iPhone. Yes. What a relief. We can put down our technology for three days and. You know, Facebook can become a thing of the distant past for a little while. Uh, you might have a little withdrawal symptoms from that, but it's actually really healthy to unplug. Deep in awareness. Deep in awareness. Mm-hmm. To learn more about metta. Yeah, metta is practice of the heart, of love, of kindness. Yeah, beautiful. Also, to share my meditation experience with my son for the first time. Uh, great, to share your experience with your son, with your family. Some of you come with partners. That's a lovely thing. Friends. Yeah. Good. Well, there's probably more intentions in the room, but I'm good to just keep track of of that as you go through the course um, and see how they unfold. I was just, uh, as I was walking up the stairs, uh, there's a beautiful Zen calligraphy and there's a quote that I've been reading for the last 20 years, and it says, uh, let go of your expectations, and this way everything will open up to you. So we all arrive on retreat with a lot of expectations and hopes and ideas and fantasies, and, um, and, and I, it's good that that's on the stairs, because we encourage you to, to notice what your expectations are and then let them go, because the retreat will not will be very different from your expectations, most likely. Um, and we want to we want to make space for what's here because who knows what's going to happen this weekend? I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. I have some idea because we're guiding it. But what will happen in, in your mind, in your heart, in your body, and realization and things? Well, it, it's really an organic process, and that's it makes me very exciting and very liberating. So as much as you can, uh, let go of those expectations and actually just meet how it is, and let that, that experience inform you and enrich you. So why do we come here? Why do we have retreats? Why do we build a retreat center like this? That's a very good question. I've been doing retreat practice in this tradition and others for the last 30 years now and um, have really, really valued and appreciated the ability to come to somewhere like this where it's really a refuge. It's a refuge of 
silence, of stillness, of slowing down, and as someone said, connecting with ourselves. Because our lives, most people's lives, and certainly the speed of the culture that's going, in case you'd forgotten, is really manic. It's busy, it's fast, it's complex, multitasking, and we are so moving so quickly, we, we disconnect, we forget about ourselves, we forget about our deeper intentions, what's really important, we sometimes get out of alignment with our values, with ourselves, we override our body, and just many different ways we just get out of sync. And so these retreats are time to really come home. So the, the practice is one of returning home to ourselves, to the present moment, rather than living in some fantasy and hope about the future, and to just seeing, well, what's here in this, in, in, my, in my heart, in my, in my being? There's a poem that I like to share at the beginning of a retreat, and it goes like this. What in your life is calling you when all the lists are put aside, all the doing is stopped, and the wild iris blooms by itself in the dark forest? What still pulls on your soul? In each of us there is a calling. Name it if you must, or leave it forever nameless. But why pretend it is not there? So one of the things that will happen on the retreat is in the silence, in the stillness, in the slowing down, we get to self-remember. Mindfulness, this quality, this capacity to know, to be aware, to be present, to ourselves, to our experience. The root meaning of that word is to remember, self-remembering, self-recollection. So with, this, with the supportive environment of the, the schedule, the, the meditation, the community, the, the silence and nature here, it all encourages us to, to come home to ourselves, to, to what's here. And it's very precious. You know, there's these, these moments, these pauses in your life, they don't happen so often for most of us. And so really, and you've done a lot of the hard work, often the biggest work on a retreat is getting here, right? It's often the hassle to take care of business and your animals and whatever else you need to tend to at work to just get here on time. And now you're here, just invite you to rest, to relax, to arrive with yourself with what's happening, with, with what's offered here. And we get a chance to uh, connect with uh, our human beingness rather than our human doingness. As one of our friends says, we become homo shoppians. So, you know, we, we, we know ourselves through doing and achieving and accomplishing and getting ahead and being somebody and doing something, getting somewhere. And we forget how to just be. And the great Taoist philosopher Lao Tzu says the most important thing to do is to be. So what, it, what does it mean to be, to just to allow yourself to be as you are, who you are, right here? So there's a poem uh, from one of my favorite poets, Ellen Bass, and it's, she uh, has a poem called Waking Grievers. And I'm reading this because uh, one of the teachings in this tradition is to wake up to the preciousness of our life, the preciousness of this moment, to not take it for granted. And so I want to bring that spirit into to make 
to, to realize this is a wonderful, precious gift and opportunity you've given to yourselves to be here, to be quiet, to slow down, to still, to look within, to cultivate these qualities of awareness, of compassion, kindness. She says, what if you knew you'd be the last to touch somebody? If you were taking tickets, for example, at the theater, tearing them, giving back the ragged stubs, you might take care to touch that palm or press your fingertips into the crease of a lifeline. When a man pulls his wheeled suitcase too slowly through the airport, when the car in front of me doesn't signal, and when the clerk at the pharmacy won't say thank you, I don't remember that they're going to die. A friend told me she'd been with her aunt. They had just had lunch with, and the waiter, a young gay man with plum black eyes, joked as he served the coffee, kissed her aunt's powdered cheek when they left. Then they walked half a block, and her aunt dropped dead on the sidewalk, just like that. How close does the dragon's spume have to come? How wide does the crack in heaven have to split? What would people look like if we could see them as they are, soaked in honey, stung and swollen, reckless and pinned against time? So that's us. Swollen, stung in honey, suspended in time. This is a precious time, precious moment. So, the Insight Meditation Society and this tradition, the Vipassana tradition, comes from the teachings of the Buddha. And so we'll be sharing some key principles and teachings and practices uh, from his teaching that will, be, will serve us in this journey of self-discovery, of opening our hearts, of developing presence and love and awareness. There's a, a saying from Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a wonderful Vietnamese Zen teacher that many of you know, and he he says, Buddhism is simply a way to live well. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. So one of the things that mindfulness practice does is it reveals what's happening in the moment, how we respond to it, and that we have a choice over how we live, how we act, how we react, how we respond. And so we're learning how to cultivate a wise, kind response and relationship to life, to ourselves, to our body, to our pain, to our sadness, to our partner, to colleagues, to the environment, to everything. And so we see with mindfulness practice, well, we can become more present, become more attuned to what's happening inside. We can be attuned to how we add and create our own suffering. The motivation for the Buddha teaching was he looked around after his awakening and he saw how much, su- how much of the suffering we feel is self-created. That we add to our own distress. And one, of the, one of the ways we do that is we keep seeking happiness outside of ourselves. We keep looking for happiness and joy and peace in the next thing, the next job, the next experience. We were uh, flying with JetBlue from... California, and you know they have these little screens, and they have forty-five channels of TV. I don't, I don't usually watch TV, so I got to play with channel surfing. And I noticed in my mind, I kept looking for the perfect channel and the perfect show that would actually provide some satisfaction. <laughs> but I kept surfing a lot because nothing did. <laughs> but I kept looking, and that's what we do. We keep looking for the next channel, the next show, the next something believing it's somewhere outside of ourselves. 
And this practice saying, wait a minute, take a look. What's already here? Peace and well-being is actually already right here, right now. It's available. Peace is available. Please help yourself. So we get to understand what takes us away from that. How come I sit with myself and I feel unhappy or stressed or anxious or fearful or resentful or shut down or disconnected? What happens that I don't feel joy and love and presence? What interferes with that? So we get to know these tendencies of mind. The Buddha said he taught one thing and one thing only, suffering and the end of suffering. So we want to understand what what gets in the way of our well-being. What causes us to suffer? And so with the meditation, with the loving-kindness and mindfulness practice, we get to really look closely at our own mind and heart and to see. When we're busy in our lives, rushing and doing and running around, we don't have the clarity usually to really look deep enough to know. So that's why we come take time away from our lives and our busyness and our roles and families and work and our identity to see what's what's here when we take all that away. So we're cultivating the quality of mindfulness, of awareness. One of the things that we'll be talking about is a quality of beginner's mind, which is many of you, maybe half of you, have never done a retreat before, so you're coming with this quality of beginner's mind has this quality of childlike curiosity, of wondering, what is this? I don't know what a retreat is. Let me be open and curious. And we encourage all of you to have this this quality of beginner's mind, even if you've sat 50 retreats. You don't know what this retreat's going to be like. If we, you know, there's a line from Suzuki Roshi, a great Zen master, who said, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are very few. So when we have that beginner's mind, we, we remain curious. If we think we know what this, what, what, who we are or what an experience is or what a flower is or a person, we immediately cut down our curiosity. We've got to be given a label and then we're on to the next thing. There's a cartoon from Gary Larson from the far side that I like that speaks to this. There's he's, he's, a picture of a bunch of cows in the field and they're all eating and uh, one of them's lifting his head up with an exclamation like he's had an ins- and aha moment and in the, underneath the caption, the cow's saying, Wait a minute, this is grass. We've been eating grass. <laughs> That's often what happens when we, you know, we, we become more aware. We see what we're doing. We, see, we, we, we wake up to what we've been asleep to. Of course, these days, cows don't actually usually grass. They're eating corn and God knows what else. That's another story. So the second thing, the second practice that we're cultivating here is the practice of the heart, of the role of love and kindness and compassion in our practice, in ourselves, in how we relate to ourselves, to our suffering, to our pain, to each other, to the suffering in the world. And we often teach these as separate practices, but ultimately the, the, the essence of this practice is to, to move, to live in the world with a kind awareness, a kind presence, a heartful uh, presence as we as we interact, as we meet and greet and talk and relate, 
with each other. So we'll be, we'll be teaching the practice of metta, loving-kindness, loving friendliness, uh, and, and, and looking at how we can bring a more compassionate relationship to experience. So the awareness brings the clarity and the knowing and the understanding and the heart brings a softening and a warmth and a connection and an allowing and acceptance and a friendliness. And we'll be sharing some teachings from Dr. King who speaks and his life was such a beautiful expression of the power of living in the world with compassion, with love, with presence. He writes, when I speak of love, this whole idea is misunderstood. Agape is creative, understanding, redemptive goodwill for all men. Theologians would say that this is the love of God operating in the human heart. When one rises to the love on this level, one loves every person. He rises to the point of loving the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. I believe that this is the kind of love that can carry us through this period of transition. So the meta practice and what Dr. King's speaking to is a quality of love that's much bigger than our usual notions of romantic love or sentimental love that's more kind of in a trade or an exchange, but this is a kind of a boundless quality where we can feel that sense of compassion or care for a circle so much wider than our normal uh, range of kindness. So some of the things that we'll be doing here on the retreat, as you notice the schedule, um, we'll be doing sitting meditations, walking meditations. Uh, there will be a period of yoga every day. Um, and the schedule kind of looks pretty busy. You, you're up at six and you go to bed at nine and it's full of sitting and walking. But it's really a lot of doing nothing. Really. It's really just being present. And we, you know, there, are, there are certain things that we schedule, but it's really about learning to just to be here. And we'll say more about the, the meditation practices tomorrow and spring. is going to share some this evening also. There'll be time for, uh, we will be in silence. And silence is one of the glues, one of the, the fabrics of the retreat. It's really what allows us to go deeper. It allows us to connect with ourselves. It allows a busy, chattering mind to take a break. Um, and we feel so much more in the silence, as you'll discover This is from Gandhi. He wrote, In the attitude of silence, the heart finds the path in a clearer light, and what is elusive and deceptive resolves itself into crystal clearness. So with that, without the, the busyness and the loudness of our chattering mind and conversation, we get to see more clearly. And there'll be times we'll have periods of question and answers in the hall here a couple times a day, You'll each have a group meeting with, meeting with one of us where you'll get to share and talk about your, your practice and your experience. And if there's any time, as, as Elizabeth, I'm sure, said, if there's any time that you feel like you need to talk to one of us, if there's some distress, some difficulty that's hard to hold for yourself, please uh, leave us a note or just come grab us when you see us walking around. So just want to end with a couple of things that I think are really important as we move into a period of practice. And the first one is to, if you can, remember to be patient with yourselves. Usually, I don't know about you, but um, we're, we're pretty 
hard on ourselves. We're usually our own worst critic. We're our own taskmaster. And we expect, you know, we'll be, you'll be, you know, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, well, I'm not enlightened yet and I haven't developed universal love. I'm out of here. What's going wrong? There's something wrong with this practice. You know, we expect so much. And it's, it's, it's fine to have expectations, but to have those real, be realistic. And so to be patient with your mind, with your body, with the ups and downs, you know, this is going to be like life. Whatever happens in life, guess what? It's going to happen here. It's not like we left our life totally outside and there's something new happening here. We, we bring the habits of who we are. We will see those. And that we want to see those. We want to get to know those clearly. But to have patience and forgiveness and kindness with our crazy busy mind. Anybody have a crazy busy mind? Anybody think a lot here? <laughs> yeah, right? So in meditation, that's not going to take a vacation. That's going to be with you. And so we have to learn how to be kind and forgiving and patient with ourselves for that. So I think that's enough words for me for now, but mostly I just want to welcome you and say how happy I am to be here and look forward to working with you and sharing this weekend time together. Thank you. Spring. I think I'll do a little stretch. Yeah, that's good. So why don't we do a little standing and stretching for a moment? You guys have been sitting for a while, so you can stand up and just moving the body, stretching the legs. I know that a lot of people are tired and travel long distances. So we won't go too late tonight, just a few other pieces. And then when you're ready, you can um, have a seat. You'll be introduced to Eowyn, the yoga teacher, tomorrow. She'll be joining us. Uh, So we'll explain more about the the daily yoga offering, which is great. So I also want to take a moment to really welcome everybody who's here. Really, my heart to your heart. Uh, No matter who you are, your age, or your background, your ethnic background or your, you know, sexual orientation or wherever, whoever you are, you're really welcome here. And to feel welcome here is, is so important, um, that you feel loved and cared for it and that you're, that you're just welcome. So I just really wanted to say that again. I always say it, but um, yeah, because it's important when we first come into a space, we kind of look around like, where are my people? You know, like, who's the da-da-da, you know, and, and you can feel isolated and Sometimes the first night of a retreat can bring up a lot, like, what am I doing? What's going on? I want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm excited. You know, so there could be just a lot happening, and I really want to just say however it is, is, it's fine. You can bring all of that here, all of yourself here. 
So um, it's always sweet to uh, teach with Mark. You know, we were giggling at the airport at 6 o'clock in San Francisco, like, here we go on our weekend. I'm okay, retreat. <laughs> um, and I was so tired, you know, because we ended up getting a long traffic jam uh, coming out of Boston. And uh, what was an hour and a half became a three-hour drive, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired. But then when I saw everybody, this light and energy came right back. It's like, oh, Dharma, yes. Like, I got completely filled up with energy when I came into the dining hall to get some soup. You know, I was like, ah, yes, this is so important. This is great. And I was completely rejuvenated. So thank you for that, by your energy and your presence here and your dedication. So we all do this together here. Our retreat, um, we hold it together. This is a collective experience. We co-create this space together. I doubt that any of you would be able to come here on your own and follow that schedule all alone, all day long, right? It's no, we need someone to help cook for us. We need to work together and somebody's sweeping the floors and somebody's ringing the bell, right? It's a community that comes together to support these retreats. It's really sweet in that way. Um, we come together to create these little temples. This is our, our monastery, you know, for the next few days, our sacred space. And um, we'll do lots of things together and explore. So I like to talk a little bit about some of the tradition of just when we start a retreat, we always uh, take precepts, which are these kind of really beautiful guidelines on how to live together with love and compassion. Really, they're, they're beautiful. And also at the beginning of any retreat or any journey or anything, you always, there's always this kind of setting this, the tone, you know, and we take the three refuges. And in some way, I like to look at the, the precepts and the refuges. Uh, it reminds me of in the Lakota tradition, when one goes on a vision quest, you know, they, they get a, a space, a traditional Lakota vision quest. You go many days, you know, and you, you have a seat about as big as this, and they draw it out on the ground. And they're like, okay, you can't leave that space, right? No food, no water. That's your space. And you stay for, for three days, five days, however long, right? And you can go use the restroom and come back to your spot, right? And after many days, you, you would have a vision. Something would happen. And that's the same with us as we sit here for these days together. Something starts to open up, some clarity, wisdom, more love, more, more understanding. This can happen for us, so it's beautiful. And we need just some, some guidelines. So I just kind of talk about a little about that. So at the beginning of a retreat, you know, we always like to take refuge. And a refuge, you could say, is the light the lighthouse, you know, we're out in the ocean. You could say we're on a big ship out in the ocean. But we often, if we're in the ocean, we may not know what direction to go. How do we navigate? And then we see the lighthouse. Oh, let me go towards the shore. We see this lighthouse. The refuges are kind of like that. We take refuge in, traditionally in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. But I'd like to rephrase these a little bit because in some way when we take refuge in the Buddha, we take refuge in our highest self here. You know, we take refuge in our own ability to awaken, our own awakening heart, our journey. We take refuge in that. We remember what we're doing here when we feel lost, 
And there'll be moments in these next few days where you'll, you'll reach some moment where you'll get overwhelmed, right? And you'll, you'll think, what is this about? And then we remember, ah, come back to this refuge of my highest self, my own awakening. So we take refuge in that. Then we take refuge in the Dharma, the teachings that we'll be teaching, the teachings of love and compassion and wisdom and wakefulness and patience. Right? These are those great teachings laid out, well-tried and true teachings. Right? Many people have used these teachings, a great map, you could say, uh, and the path that helps us uh, walk clearly. The Dharma, the teachings of all the awakened ones, the Buddhas, Dr. King, Gandhi, the great Christian mystics, all of this represents sort of the collective Dharma. In some way, when I think of the Dharma, I think of a library in the sky with all these teachings in it. And we thought we'd all go check them out. So this imaginary library, like, I'll take this, I'll take that, you know. But it's all available, you know, like that phrase by Thich Nhat Hanh. We can help ourselves to it. So the Dharma, we'll be exploring and sharing as much as we can with you. Um, and we'll explore this aspect. So we take refuge in Dharma when we're here as truth and beauty we take refuge. And then the third aspect that we take refuge in the Sangha, and this Sangha is all our community um, that's around us right now. So looking around this room, this becomes our, our holy Sangha, you know, for better or worse. Here we are together, right? Uh, and usually it's for better, you know. And so this is our, our aspect of refuge that we take, and we even expand that. We take refuge in all the people who are in this moment. Bells are ringing, people are bowing, going into temples all over the world. People gathering in prayer, meditation. You know, Spirit Rock has retreats starting. Other centers have retreats starting. Today, this very day, people sitting courses, going within, practicing. That also becomes part of the great Sangha that we can take refuge in when we, again, we get overwhelmed or we feel lost. It's like, oh yeah, here we are together. This is a movement that's happening. This is a new way of being. It's powerful. So we kind of that's that's what we focus on in those difficult moments, taking refuge in ourselves and this awakening, the teachings of liberation, and then all those who have used these teachings to awaken or who are practicing these teachings, all the Buddhas of the past, all the great beings. We remember that. And then um, we're going to also talk a little bit about this way of how we live together with so many people. It's really amazing, isn't it? This is about 92 people together. When you include all the staff who live here, we'll be living here, Mark and I, you know, all these people who come and go here. And how do we live in harmony? 125 people maybe total, maybe 130 with Cokes and everybody else. Um, so we all live together because we abide by this, these ways of living, and we practice the training precepts together. And in some way, this is such a beautiful offering. And for many of you, you live by these teachings already. And for others, it's just like, oh, yeah, let's just tighten up and remember. Oh, it's just a reflection. And so I'm going to read the five precepts that we'd ask you to commit to while living here. Um, and then I'll go through each of the five, and then at the end we'll just say them to ourselves, and I'll ring a bell for each one. Um, that will just kind of 
again, turning the mind uh, towards these precepts. So I love Thich Nhat Hanh's version of these precepts. So the first one is um, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine. I undertake the commitment to protect life. So while we're here, we just try to cherish life in all of its forms. So you might have spiders in your corners or, or you know, there might be ants on the path or, you know, what we just try to um, protect life in some way. You know, all that lives, all of creation actually cherishes its own life. If you chase a bug, it runs from you, right? It has a sense of its own, like, hey, wait a minute, I'm, I'm trying to live here, right? It has a sense of protecting itself. So while we live here, we just try to be patient, try to, you know, be mindful, um, and we try not to kill any living thing. It's like a beautiful harmony with the earth, with life itself. So knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, the second precept, I undertake the commitment to take only what is offered to me. So what's interesting about this center and at Spirit Rock and other communities is there's no locks on doors, right? Everything, you know, and people live in, in complete uh, ease with that, right? We don't have to carry all our purse and our, all our, imagine if you were carrying everything down in here and holding on to it, right? The reason that we can live like that is everybody has taken this precept to take only what is offered. There's many things out here, things in the kitchen, things in all around. But if we abide by this, um, only taking what is offered, then we can live with some sense of harmony that if we leave our shoes somewhere and we come back five hours later, there they are. Right? We leave out something, we can come back, there it is. And so we really just practice that, this way of being to not take, but to actually be generous. What is that like? That's the opposite. So knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to use my sexuality wisely and to protect relationship. So we ask that while you're on this retreat that you practice celibacy and that you practice using your sexuality with a lot of awareness that there's when other people, what happens sometimes on retreat is some people can, I guess they get these crushes on people or, you know, uh, they see somebody walking across the meditation lawn, right? They, they can get a little, you know, we can get pulled out or we can be here with people or I, sometimes people are here and relate, you know, they're married and couples. But we ask that you really just work with that and that you refrain from acting out any type of energy, any sexual energy, any flirting, any, any of that energy. We just put that to the side, aside for this retreat, and really just go within. What's interesting about this meditation center is that you're in a group, but yet you're on a solo journey. And that's unique. It's very unique. You're not alone, isolated somewhere, which has its own benefits and challenges, but you're, on, you're going with a group of people. Um, and so with that, with everybody here together, we just really ask that you adhere to um, the real mindfulness around sexual energy. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to speak truthfully and kindly. So this is the fourth precept. So it's clear that we ask that while you're here, you speak the truth, that you speak with kindness. One of the other aspects of this precept is the noble silence. 
and that we really ask you to commit to the noble silence. This is really for your own benefit. I remember when I was here, when I was very young, I did my first three-month retreat here in my early 20s. And I remember when they, they went on and on about the silence, I was like, I will not be silent. I remember my mind would go there, right? And it has nothing to do with that. It's actually this beautiful invitation to see what's happening with you. You know, so just to really be mindful of let's be aware of that and not break other people's uh, silence. Sometimes people are trying to be still and then we try to engage them. Let's just really commit to no talking, note writing. Please refrain from all writing notes to anybody here on the retreat. If there's some communication, you can ask Mark and I or you can go through Elizabeth. Um, but please remember that in all forms of uh, interacting with one another, um, please refrain and just use a lot of discretion uh, with that. People are also very sensitive, right? So we don't know what state people are in, and so we can do what we think is funny or a little thing, and then that person has a huge reaction, right? Like, oh, you know, and it becomes a big process. So we just mindful of that, that we let people go through their process here. They are well cared for by us. Last precept, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment not to harm myself or others with alcohol or drugs. So this is a beautiful uh, opportunity to let go of, of any types of intoxicants. Trust me, if you follow the schedule for two or three days, you'll be altered at the end. <laughs> you know, uh, So we don't need to add. Sometimes people bring things like, oh, I'll do a little ceremony in the woods, you know. <laughs> And then they have to regret that, you know, and they'll, they'll come and they'll confess to a teacher, you know, it'll be the whole thing, you know. It's just an opportunity to, you know, practice with clarity of mind and also to protect others. So we, if you're taking prescription medication, that's fine. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about anything extra. Um, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> So you know how this could be helpful, right? We, we say, hey, we're not going to go around killing each other, sleeping with each other, stealing our, each other's things, getting high and drunk, right, and acting out, right? You could see how this could help harmony. Imagine if we just live like one of these precepts in our world. This would be great, right? We'd all live with more harmony. So we're just going to ask that... Um, I'm going to read them, and then we'll just, you can just close your eyes and just take the inner commitment as a training out of love and compassion and respect for all beings. So the first one, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to protect life. Second precept, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to take only what is offered to me. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to use my sexuality wisely and to protect relationships during this retreat.
knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to speak truthfully and kindly. Precept number five, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment not to harm myself or others with alcohol or drugs. So thank you for your uh, practice and uh, your, this opportunity to reflect on the precepts together so that we can live harmoniously and people can feel safe. That's uh, the important thing, safety. And just, um, I want to say a, a couple more things about renunciation as you begin your retreat, even though it's a short retreat. I want to encourage everyone to... Um, really renounce their cell phone <laughs> or computers or any of that kind of thing and to really try to practice in a way that you can put that down or unplug it. It's hard when you're in the middle of retreat and you're you know, sending text messages or doing stuff like that to stay focused. And I, I want to encourage you to give a gift to yourself. Um, in the summer, I teach the young adult retreat and, you know, we have uh, some of you, well, I think a couple of you are on that retreat, and it's so sweet to see you. What was so amazing about that retreat was that we gave this big talk to the young adults in the beginning, and there was about the same number of people, maybe 95 or 96. And we said, okay, everyone, renounce your cell phones. And, uh, and it was really hard, but we had about 65 people bring their cell phones to the office. We put a basket there. Because it's often too hard, right? It's like, okay, here, I'm just going to put it here. And you can do that tomorrow. You can give your cell phone to Elizabeth. There's a big basket. They'll take care of it. At the end, they'll give it back to you. But um, I thought it was going to be so hard for them. And you know what happened? Many of them drove off and left their phones, right? <laughs> they had completely forgot. Like, like, your phone. There's this big basket of phones. I mean, eventually they came back, you know, to get their phone. But that's how much that they were already, you know, going about their, their day, and they, they weren't, that attachment had been severed. And so, not that it will be permanent, but I really want to encourage you to kind of try to renounce distraction and surrender into the schedule. Allow yourself to do what you can. Obviously, take be gentle, loving with yourself. But if you practice letting go of that for these days and just diving into the Dharma, um, you'll really get a lot out of this experience. 
Uh, so I just invite you to do that. Obviously, you can do what you like, but um, just from experience, it's a give yourself that gift uh, and just practice letting go technology. So, and then um, the other thing that I would like to say also is that really as reiterate what Mark said about the patience and taking it easy on yourself. In some way, this retreat is about a re-acclimatizing, re-acclimatization. I don't even think that's a real word, but some kind of acclimatizing towards more love and compassion. Right? This isn't about creating more desire or more uh, sort of fervor or making yourself fit into a box. It's kind of letting go of the boxes. And so just be really gentle on yourself and really caring toward yourself. We'll, we'll be emphasizing that starting tomorrow, first thing. But you can start now and just practice being loving, kind, taking good care of yourself. Um, I know many of you are exhausted, so getting a good night's sleep and wrapping up any details that you may have uh, and just allowing yourself to really rest. Um, we're going to do about a 15-minute meditation and then kind of start to wrap it up for the night. So uh, allow yourself to get comfortable and if you need to shift your posture in any way or get some more cushions, there's extra cushions in the back. And as you relax your body and just begin to just start by taking some breath in and out and just very gently breathing in and breathing out and see if you could just start to soften your body, relaxing, maybe relaxing the neck and the shoulders. If you need to move them around, you can. It's a way to invite relaxation. Often our body is, we're rigid, we're holding. So see if you could just begin to relax your belly. Let your belly be really soft, relaxing your hands and your jaw. And I always like to begin my meditation with breathing in and saying the word peace on the in-breath and peace on the out-breath a couple of times and just notice the effect that has on your whole nervous system. As you just let yourself soften, let go, settle,
And then just allowing your awareness to just rest with the rhythm of your breathing. See if you can begin to notice this rhythm of the breath. Feeling your body. This whole retreat will be guiding you back into your body, back into your heart. Inhabiting this body, becoming embodied. So we start with the rhythm of the breath, just feeling the in-breath and the out-breath.
And for the last couple of moments, see if you can really allow your awareness to drop deep within you, deep within the body, feeling that earth under you, feeling the support of the ground. As we sit, awake, Okay, everyone, thank you. Um, And we wish you sweet dreams tonight. (laughs) Get good rest. It's it's funny how much uh, work, hard work meditation retreats can be. (laughs) We're just sitting and walking, like, wow. Uh, Do you have anything to share so we have good night, Mark? No? Okay. Thank you all again for coming, and we'll see you at 6 a.m. or 6.30, I think, is the first sitting. Uh, Wake up at 6.
And if you're super tired and you feel like you need to sleep through that sitting, that's okay. And we'll just come to breakfast and we'll see you at the instructional sit at 8.15. Okay, because some of you are when I've traveled and sometimes just, and also the first night can be kind of an adjustment to different beds and maybe some of you have roommates and so, uh, yeah, rest well. Thank you.